Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll go to Utah to speak with David Locke of Locked On Jazz about the impact of the new COVID-19 protocols. We go to Houston to speak with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets about James Harden's absence, about uh, John Wall's arrival and everything going on with the Rockets. And lastly, we go to LA to speak with Anthony Irwin of Locked On Lakers about the commitments of Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, in the last week. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hi guys, welcome to another week of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the Locked On AFL Podcast and the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. Um, Yeah, the NBA, we're real close. Training camps, starting, media days, news all over the place. So many interesting things happening. We're going to cover a few of those things that are happening across the league. So let's get to it. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Jazz podcast. Of course, he's the founder of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. David Locke is here with me. David, just a a quick thing before we get into some more broader topics that I want to talk to you about. The Utah Jazz, now you're behind the scenes. You're telling me no one's talking about us. Tell Tell me why we should be excited about the Utah Jazz for this season. I don't know if there should be people talking about it, but I think it's like interesting. Like Zach Lowe writes, you know, 30,000 words and it says Utah's really solid. Like was all it said in there. Um, And, you know, there's all the, I guess Hollinger and Duncan had a pretty good back and forth about the jazz free agency. Um, You know, I just, and maybe Denver feels like no one's talking about them either. Um, There wasn't a huge difference between Utah and Denver. Give Denver credit. They came back three games to one and won that series. Um, but I think those two teams are pretty similar. I think that Utah didn't lose anything in the offseason, and the step up from from Tony Brat uh, that they made for Tony Bradley is from Tony Bradley to Derek Favors is actually significant. I don't know how much time uh, Favors and Gobert play together. They will play some certainly, which is not great. Like, but over the course of the last three, what the three years they did that before, they were about plus seven, I think it was, in that stretch. So it's not terrible. But frankly, Rudy Gobert is plus eight with anyone. Um, and so uh, it's a case of Rudy being great. But there's, you know, if you just look at last year and take what the Jazz were when Tony Bradley was on the floor as the backup center for the Utah Jazz, they were terrible. And in those minutes, uh, using cleaning the glass website, the Jazz defensive rating was a 116 in the 16th percentile. The offense was all right in the 75th percentile, and they were minus 2.3. Well, if you go a year prior, and and you don't right, you don't have to go very far to go find your Derek Favors numbers. You go a year prior and put Favors on the floor and go bear off the floor for those same 14, 16 minutes a night. And the Jazz suddenly are plus 5.2 and their defense is in the 92nd percentile. Well, if the Jazz actually swing an eight-point difference per 100 possessions in the 25% of the game in which that's taking place, that's two points. That's significant. That's, that's really significant. Yeah, it is, and, and that's and maybe that's getting you an extra three, four wins in a regular season. You're conservatively being really solid defensively for 48 minutes is is important, and you know having a guy that you can rely upon in the playoffs more, like Derek Favors versus Tony Bradley, it, it is an upgrade there. And I think this Jazz team, you're right, they are being a little bit 
you know, underrated or not spoken about at this point. And they, they can come out and just be a really, really strong team again, despite you know, some of the questions that you know, people may have regarding their offseason. They're going to be really, really good again. But, but David, one of the main things I wanted to talk to you about is someone who has been embedded with an NBA team for years and years and years. This is going to be a very different season, clearly. The COVID protocols have uh, come out in the last few days. We've had today the Portland Trailblazers have to shut down their facility due to positive tests. Now, you you said to me that you know, one of the things that's happening with you is you're not you know, you're working remotely. You're not traveling with the team to to announce games yeah you know, on the road, and you, you're not doing that. So, in terms of that's one change that's happening. But in terms of these protocols that are coming out, how do you see this having an impact? on teams like you know how things work you know how the day-to-day runs with teams and, and on the road and what the players do how how do you think that these protocols are addressing potential problems that are going to be out there so there was a really interesting moment this week with the utah jazz that i'll share with you that might be where things uh impact things the most and that is that uh george niang shared that joe ingles really kind of implored the guys to take care of themselves to be because he does because he's got a wife and a, he's got an autistic son who I, I think he believes is and I don't know I don't know if, uh, that he believes is at higher risk I didn't know that about autistic kids that they're at higher risk but I think Joe said that um, and you know he's got a new baby and he he really basically said like don't screw around and don't screw this up and don't get Like, basically, you look out for me. Like, look out for each other. And I think that gets interesting inside of team camaraderie this year in a way that I haven't heard talked about. And what I mean by that is, in the past, if you had a teammate that went out, he's out all night, he's screwing around, he's doing crazy stuff and whatever else, and you didn't really agree with it, but he dropped 27 the next night, then you're like, don't care at all, right? You just don't care at all. But now, if that guy's going out and doing crazy stuff and suddenly putting you in in danger or putting the team in, you know, putting your teammates in, like, that's a totally different trust factor amongst teammates than we've had before. I agree. I I think that's a a massive issue because it's not just like, hey, guys, we've got a championship to win here. It's like, if you're going out and breaching protocols... And we saw it even last year. Like we're seeing it happen at the moment, even with the Rockets, with how yeah how upset they were with the Daniel House situation in the in the bubble. And now, of course, there's all this James Harden controversy, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on the show when I get Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets on to talk about that. But this is not just impacting you know how you went out. Maybe you're a bit sluggish in one game. Like this could cause you to miss two weeks of, of action and teammates to miss time and family members to become sick and all this sort of thing. And we know that there was issues with the Jazz last. Year. David, with, of course, Rudy Gobert and his cavalier attitude at the beginning of the pandemic, the fact that there was issues with Donovan Mitchell contracting the disease. So do you think that that sort of thing, you talk about locker room issues, that those guys having already gone through that and understanding the impact that can have in terms of the the fabric of a locker room that they will be, and of course, Joe's saying that stuff now, that that is going to make the Jazz more cognizant of that problem because they've already gone through that issue uh, already? does feel like we are awfully intimately involved in this, right? Like we were the first team and yeah. all shut down on Rudy. Uh, it does feel like the Jazz should have some awareness uh, or the Jazz players probably have some acute awareness to everything that's taking place. So uh, maybe, uh, in fact, you know, th- that this, t- this group will be more aware. 
Um, but I, you know, it's interesting. Like they, they're talking about authorized places you can go out for dinner. Um, if you go out for dinner, you're gonna have to be in a private room. So you're gonna have what's gonna end up happening, and the way this will work is that the teams will arrange for team dinners. I think out of the hotel almost every night. Um, I, I think they'll have they're having m- many more buses. Uh, taking players places than they used to because they don't want, you know, just in case it spreads and they don't want players sitting on top of each other in buses. So with like half the traveling party they used to, I think they're having two times as many buses to transport. But I think you'll have on an off night on the road, you're going to have a team dinner at such and such restaurant, which has a private room in the back. And so really these guys are going to go kind of back to the bubble level of just spending an inordinate amount of time with each other and probably very little time with people outside of their world. Well, that's the next thing here is that the, one of the protocols is that when they're on the road, they're only allowed up to two guests in their hotel rooms and they have to be the family members or, or longtime close personal friends who reside in that city. So bringing entourages with them is not going to be something that is happening. Um, you know, not to be too blunt on it, but you know, getting you know random random hookup people from the city that they're in is going to be hard to to pull off or if they do they're at risk of violating these protocols and i'm not asking you to throw anybody under the bus here but this is something that that happens in the nba so is this going to be defining long long time that's yeah exactly like where's the where's the rule here like do you have to show yeah message history going back five years to say i have known this person every time I, i travel to oklahoma city we meet up like who knows how they're how they're running this stuff but that's something that's it's often or, or rookies about. are like going to be screwed on this deal. Yeah, they're going to just have to have, they're going to have to start yeah planting long time uh, associates into these cities, go sending them out there and getting them established for the rest of the season. But this is something that does get mentioned yeah about the NBA that they have you know people here and they have all these people they meet up with in every city and you're traveling around the team again, not throwing people under the bus. But is that going to be an, an impactful thing for these guys? And are they are they going to be something that they are willing to to risk those protocols to do? Like how how entrenched in that traveling culture is it for some players i don't have any idea it's not a conversation <laughs> i hold with the players it's not something you see openly um and and it's not something i've lived a part of i, I don't know if that stuns you but the 50 year old play-by-play <laughs> announcer is not a part of that i don't you know does in the that group surprise chats? you josh like like the the 50 50 year old married uh two children like somehow like that's not like, yeah, so I don't know. I don't have any idea on, uh, uh, you know, it's not It's not like the idea that you, like, walk around the hotel and it's all you ever see, like I hear portrayed, like it's just not true. So um, I don't have I don't have any idea on, you know, the bubble. They all followed through on the on their end of the deal. All but one seem to follow through on their end of the deal on the bubble. Yeah, and that's and that that's true. Like they, again, remember these guys are are all professionals, and that's sort of what I wanted to get at there with that question is that that is that stereotype that's thrown around. But yeah, it's I, I don't think it's necessarily as active to the degree that it's made out to be. And you're confirming that you know just by saying it's just not something that you hear about or you see or anything like that. Not to say it doesn't happen, but it's not as prevalent as what may have been expected. David, it is going to be interesting to see how this all works out. Um, and you'll, uh, you're entering the, the new world of how you're doing your job, the NBA players are. We all are at this point. So it was good to have a chat to you about these protocols and about the Utah Jazz for this upcoming season. Thanks. I mean, from a bro- no broadcasters are traveling this year. Uh, so I, I suspect I will call an entire NBA season without having talked to a player or a coach in person, which is just like 
you know, which is really like 50% of the job. Like it's such, it's going to be such an incredible thing to try to relay what's going on with the team and the, you know, things. And, you know, you just, you just aren't going to have that interaction. It's going to be, it's going to be virtually impossible to be able to communicate the exact same stuff that we we've done in years past. It's going to be tough, but everyone's going to have to be you know, just innovative, I guess, with this sort of stuff. So, David, thank you for coming on and having a chat to us here on Locked on NBA. Thank you, my friend. Congratulations, Locked on Fantasy Basketball, setting up monster numbers, doing incredible things. Congratulations to, to everything you've done. Thank you, David. Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar on the market is back, and they're back with six new flavors. This is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And there's six new flavors, caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, lemon almond cheesecake, cookies and cream. They are back to join the well, they are the new ones to join the 12 original flavors. The Built Bars are great if you're looking to lose or to maintain weight. It's low calorie, it's low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. For example, the new Cookies and Cream Bar has 17 grams of protein and 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. The promo code is LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Rockets podcast. Jackson Gatlin is here with me fresh off a trip to little baby's birthday party. Jackson, how are you going? You know, it was a great party, man. It just, uh, you know, nobody's wearing masks and it was, it was awesome. Um, no, a lot of, you know, very hectic day for the Rockets, their, their first day of uh, team practice and uh, none other than uh, Mr. James Harden was not present for this practice. So you can, as expected, there was a bit of a meltdown. Uh, in the Rockets fandom, you know, but people on both sides of the aisle, and that's what we're here to discuss. Oh, so let's, well, yeah, there's so much that we could discuss, like, because Russell Westbrook was traded away from this team a couple of days ago, and I don't, yeah. even, I don't even know, I don't even know if that feels like news anymore. We'll talk about the John Wall side of things a little bit later, but so where, where, what are we making of this with James Harden, of course, not attending practice after, um, yeah, attending this birthday party? And you're now having to sit out because of protocols, the comments from Stephen Silas about, you know, just ask James what he wants to do. Of course, the persistent trade rumors. What are you making of this absence of Harden from, uh, from the first day of team practice? So I think there's, there's two ways that you can go about, two lines of thinking. And I, I kind of haven't decided which way that I'm leaning. I'm kind of, you know, straddling the fence between the two. But there's the one line of thinking where Harden is done. He's quit on the organization and he, he doesn't believe the Rockets have what it, ta- what it takes. He's, you know, put in his trade request. They haven't fulfilled it. So now he's just going to mope around and pout until they uh, get him out of Houston. That's the first line of thinking and this, this, you know, reckless endeavor to go to little baby's birthday party and, and hang out and, you know, uh, shirk the, you know, NBA regulations surrounding COVID, all that stuff. Uh, that's, that's the first line of thinking. The other line of thinking is maybe, yes, it, it not maybe, it's definitely still irresponsible, whichever way you want to lean. I still believe it's firmly irresponsible to, for anybody, you know, let alone an NBA superstar with, you know, tons of, you know, millions of eyes on him. Um, to go out and you know party in this type of inv- environment surrounding COVID nineteen and whatnot, but you can also look at it. John Wall was very explicit in the way that he stated. Yes, we did hear from si- Stephen Silas, who said, you know, you're going to have to ask James about his commitment level to this organization, to the Rockets, to this team. But John Wall said that he and Harden spoke before the trade that they were committed to playing with each other. And why would John Wall have any reason to come out and say that? John Wall could have very easily come out and said something very akin to what Stephen Silas said, where you're going to have to ask James about his commitment level. But John Wall seems thoroughly convinced that James Harden is committed, at least for this year, and that they're going to try and make this pairing work. 
So maybe it was just kind of one last hurrah, however irresponsible, for James before he commits to these, you know, enhanced NBA protocols with, you know, no bars, no lounges, no clubs, none of that, which is something that Harden is, you know, known for in NBA circles. Yeah, the, the wall comments are, are really intriguing. And I don't, you're right, I don't see the the necessity for him or, or the, even the upside for him to come out and say that stuff if he's just making it up. Like he's not just going to say, "Oh, yeah, I've spoken to James, and he wants to be here. I'm going to work this out." If that's, yeah, if then in a week's time, Harden is traded because it's going to make Wall look yeah, like a liar and or, or completely stupid. Either one of those two. So I don't see the upside for him to do that. So it is, it is an intriguing thing, and I, and I like your theory there about that, you know, last hurrah type of thing because we know we know that James Harden's jersey's been yeah, lifted to the the rafters in strip clubs. At least one, maybe many, across the country, because he he has <laughs> he has an enjoyment of this lifestyle, and uh, he's got the money, and he can do whatever he wants. But this is, of course, a, a different different level of impact. Um, we know that the Rockets did move on from Russell Westbrook, so things things are changing, and you'd have to think that that was. Well, I, we know that Westbrook allegedly wanted to be traded, but you have to think that some of that is being driven by James Harden. Is that the understanding that you get? You know, it's so tough uh, because we're never going to know exactly what goes on, you know, via text messages, phone calls that we will never be privy to or, you know, behind closed door meetings, that kind of thing, uh, unless there's a very detailed 30 for 30 on this uh, summer of Houston Rockets basketball somewhere down the line. But, you know, my inclination is to believe that the pairing between James Harden and Russell Westbrook just essentially ran its course. They were both aware of the fit not being quite ideal. Um, they're very, they're very much still close and they're, they're going to remain being very close friends. And in my mind, it makes sense that the two of them weren't willing to put their friendship on the line to try and make things work together. And it just became readily apparent that the best course of action was for Russ to go to another organization. And by default also with James Harden, potentially having that, that wandering gaze being interested in potentially getting shipped out to Brooklyn to team up with Kevin Durant. Maybe that played a part in Russell Westbrook also wanting out. You can make that notion. You can make that claim. But I think when you're looking at just how those, those things played out, I don't think that their relationship is damaged whatsoever. Um, I think it was just in the, in the best interest of both parties that they, you know, that they separated. So let's talk about the guy that's coming in, replacing Russell Westbrook, John Wall. Of course, we know of his relationship with new Houston Rockets uh, big man, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I don't really know of any pre-existing relationship between Wall and Harden necessarily, but in terms of does this make the Rockets better, putting aside that, well, maybe this trade makes Harden more likely to stay portion of it, just on court, Wall having not played for almost two years to the day when the season begins, at you know, 30, whatever he is, years of age, coming off a torn Achilles. Does this make the Rockets better or worse in terms of how that fits with Harden and the other players on the roster? At this point, it's a gigantic question mark um, because you you know the, the, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's, it is a concern. He hasn't played in uh, almost two years. Now, here's the thing is, as far as Wall and Harden's relationship prior to this, they have been known to have a bit of a, I guess, rapport with each other. Um, a couple of years ago before John Wall's uh, you know, Achilles tear, he was actually in Houston for uh, the inaugural, the inaugural uh, James Harden JH Town Weekend here in Houston, which is a, a yearly event that Harden has put on for the fans. Uh, to try and you know get them a chance to see NBA players up close, and it's kind of it's a charity event that he hosts yearly here in Houston. So Wall was here; they were competitive. They they play pickup games in the summer, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm I'm inclined to believe that Wall is probably a player that James is a bit closer to than maybe other players throughout the league. 
Um, and obviously, based on what we've heard so far, there has been some communication between those two guys about wanting to play together, thinking that maybe that fit would be a bit more than the fit alongside Russell Westbrook. And there's probably some people scratching their heads thinking, well, how would a fit with John Wall be more ideal than Russell Westbrook? The issue is James Harden and Russell Westbrook are both essentially uh, alpha combo scoring guards, right? They're, they want to be the alpha. They want to have the ball in their hands. Um, and, and they're essentially combo scoring guards. They don't, they're not traditional pass first guards. Um, you know, James Harden, yes, he is an elite passer and playmaker, but that's because of his gravity and his ability to score the ball. That's where his playmaking ability comes from. And he's a naturally gifted passer. John Wall, though, he fits more of the mold of that prototypical pass first mentality point guard where his ability to create for others is is the driving force behind a lot of his game. You go back and watch any of his old tapes, that's that's what he thrives at is creating for others. Yes, he's still able to score the ball, but he's not nearly on the level of James Harden or Russell Westbrook. You're not going to get those 40, 10, and 10 nights from John Wall, but what you are going to get, hopefully, and this is what Houston fans are cautiously optimistic about, is essentially a poor man's Chris Paul. And that sounds kind of bad, right? Cause you're like, okay, you moved on from Chris Paul to try and get Russell Westbrook. And now you're hoping for a poor man's version of Chris Paul and John wall. But if, if wall is able to come in and provide a steady, say 18, eight and four, which is not unrealistic whatsoever. When you look at his career numbers, if he's able to come in and provide that to the Rockets, then that's exactly what they need alongside James Harden. They don't need another guy to come in and do the heavy lifting. That's what James does on a nightly basis. That's what he's shown he can do for eight years here in Houston. All they need is somebody who is consistent as the second guy who can take you know a little bit of the pressure off James in certain key moments, which is exactly what Chris Paul did alongside James for two years. The problem was that second year with Chris Paul, he just didn't have enough. It, it looked like he didn't have enough left in the tank until he had his resurgent year this past season with Oklahoma City. But John Wall is more than capable of being that guy if he's healthy. Yeah, and I think the, one of the other major things is that John Wall is not a good shooter, but he shoots. And Russell Westbrook's a horrible shooter that just isn't a three-point threat at all. Like, Wall can be a guy that knocks down open threes where Russ just wasn't. And eventually he just, I think over the last two months of the season, his you know, three-point attempt rate was like 8% or 9%. So, like, he just wasn't taking any at all, whereas Wall can be a solid shooter if he's left alone. So there's a little bit of a difference in how that goes. It's going to be really intriguing to see what happens with Harden, what happens with the Wall pairing, what happens with his team in general. Jackson, you'll have it for us all over on Locked On Rockets. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Josh. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here, and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready for a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our Locked On local experts, plus waiver wire editions from myself in terms of fantasy basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. Now let's bring in the host of the Locked On Lakers podcast, Anthony Irwin, is here, the defending champs. Anthony, we know they had an eventful free agency, Marcus Gasol, Montrez Harrell coming in, Wes Matthews replacing Avery Bradley, but uh, the two probably biggest pieces of transactional news for this team happened in the last couple of days, and they were players that were already on this squad. LeBron James with a huge extension, and then Anthony Davis with a five-year Max contract locking this team in, and I don't mean that to sound bad because it's obviously not, but locking these guys in for the foreseeable future, it's actually huge news because we weren't really expecting Davis to sign a five-year. We weren't that LeBron extension seemed to come out of nowhere, but they are committed to this team for the long term. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, 
you would think everybody in Lakers Nation or whatever, all Lakers fans would have been really excited about the idea that LeBron James and Anthony Davis, arguably two of the best anywhere from three to five players in the NBA, uh, both agreed to be with the Lakers for the next three to five years. Uh, but, but because Lakers fans are Lakers fans, the concern was, well, what does this mean for the third star? What what room are they going to have for the third star? Which, you know, eventually we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, there were a few better ways to get somewhere than with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, not just on your team, not just in your organization, but committed to the organization. That That is is something that I'm not sure you can have really ever said about LeBron, uh, the commitment that he's shown to the Lakers here. He doesn't show that very often. And uh, whether it's because of the relationship that he has with Palenka, uh, whether it's because of the relationship the Lakers have with Clutch, LeBron seems to, cl- uh, to, to trust this organization in ways that uh, he hasn't in Cleveland and, and, and maybe not even in Miami, uh, which, is, which is pretty interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. I think in Miami, he only signed one contract there. It was just that one four-year deal. Then he was out of there in Cleveland. We know he had mm-hmm. all those one-year deals and you know, player option one plus ones. And this is a huge because it wasn't that he look, he had a player option at the end of this season, but he forgo that and signed that huge extension. So he, he's comfortable there, obviously, with this team. Um, you talk about a third star, of course. Yeah, We've got Kyle Kuzma's rookie max extension coming up. <laughs> so maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen with this team. But it is huge for a team that just won the title. Uh, when you go, well, yeah, who, who knows how, how things are going to go? Anthony Davis might sign a one plus one. LeBron could be a free agent. Maybe it's only one more year. But this is this locking this team in. And then you're getting these other guys coming in on, on cheaper deals. Montrez Harrell coming in. Marcus Gasol at the end of his career. Just to help keep this thing going. And I think with that sort of commitment level, it means that you know, Palinka and the rest of the front office don't have to make... Um, panicky type moves like oh maybe it is our last year of doing this and we have to trade away everything to get someone to come in for 30 games to make a push for it so you don't have to mortgage any sort of future as much with these sort of commitments and we heard Anthony Davis say that you know locking in that five-year deal was important to him because of injuries Um, but it gives both him and and the organization a ton of uh, a ton of security and it puts them in a great position for this year because it is it's it reduces a lot of stress and pressure on the organization and the team. I think. Yeah, I, well, it's it's twofold, right? Everything that you're talking about, you're absolutely right about that. There is no that there, there won't be any kind of panicky moves where the Lakers trade for Anthony Davis is like third cousin to hopefully convince him to to continue to stick it out with the organization. Uh, but but on top of that. The everybody else out there in the league now sees, oh, so this is what it's going to be like to be a Laker for the next three to five years where I can play with, let alone LeBron James by himself or let alone Anthony Davis by himself, let alone being a Laker in, in playing in this market, which has been enough to attract several players on its own merit because of the way role players tend to get paid after they play for, for the Lakers. Um, but you, you're now allowed to, you can now go to any of these free agents and you can say, this is the culture. This is what it's going to be. You don't have to worry about signing a long-term deal with this organization uh, and, and, and worrying about what it's going to look like on the back end of that because you weren't sure LeBron James is going to stick it out or you weren't sure uh, we're going to be in a decent situation here even after LeBron James is retires or moves on or 
goes to play with wherever Ronnie James uh, gets drafted. Whatever the situation, the Lakers now get to tell all free agents and, and any trade target, uh, both these guys are committed, and we are also committed to winning championships. And, you know, the other thing I found interesting was this is the era of player empowerment. LeBron James is the face of that movement, and he for, he, he chose to forego all kinds of leverage that he could have held over the Lakers. Anthony Davis chose to do the same thing, and, and he's basically an extension of LeBron being a clutch client. And in this era of player empowerment, in this era of, of superstars jumping from team to team to try to find the exact perfect situation for themselves, both these guys basically said, no, I think we're, we'll, we'll stick this out. We'll, we want to see how this goes. And I, th- I find it fascinating. Well, if we talk about how things are going to go, how things, how are things going to go with this team this year? Like, uh, how how little are they going to care about the regular season? Do you think? Like, <laughs> given we've heard, you know, LeBron was pretty anti-starting at this point. Um, yeah, there's already talk that they might mm-hmm. not play in the preseason. Like, just how easy are Davis and LeBron in particular going to be taking this regular season? Yeah, main, mainly the first you know, one to two months of it, but just how uh, how intense is it going to be? I, I would probably say they come out playing about 70%. I don't think, it, both in terms of pace that they're out there on the court, like how hard they're going to be playing while they're out there, and also you know the, number, the amount of minutes that they play. Uh, on top of that, I, I just think you know the Lakers organization as well, they just made long-term commitments to both these guys. And you, know, you see it sometimes in football, or you see it sometimes in baseball, less so nowadays, but with you know, younger players, uh, once they be, you know, you start making your way, like in, in the NFL with running backs, for example, you start getting up and uh, up against that free agency clock, uh, teams start using you a little bit more and they start, they don't, they don't mind. They aren't, they aren't as interested in, in the long-term uh, outlook on your career for the Lakers. And I'm not saying this is how they operate, but this is just less incentive now to really, push things if you don't really have to. I don't, and I don't even think the Lakers have to because like last year, if Anthony Davis and LeBron James weren't on the court, the Lakers did not look good. There was no facilitator because it was regular season Rondo. It wasn't playoff Rondo. Uh, they, it, you know, Alex Caruso was asked to do it sometimes, but that's not the kind of point guard that he is. Kyle Kuzma was being asked to go out there and get his own shot, which is fine. He's okay at that, but it doesn't really have an impact on anybody else around him this year though. You do have Dennis Ruder there, who's a legitimate starting caliber point guard. You have Montrez Harrell, who can go out there and 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 get buckets uh, whenever Anthony Davis feels like taking more of a night off. Uh, you you have a, a a more proven cast of role players now that KCP has shown what he can do in the postseason, and Caruso showed what he can do, and we'll see what Kyle Kuzma looks like. Uh, this is this is a team better situated for those nights that LeBron and Anthony Davis rightfully say yeah we're gonna we're gonna take this one off we're just gonna try to continue to stay fresh for for when these games really matter and uh and and because of that i I think the lakers might not play as hard as they did last year they they definitely won't play as hard as they did last year but i don't think they'll be as bad when when lebron and ad go to the bench or stay on the bench for the night well of course it's an interesting season for every team the lakers is defending champs uh none more so interesting than them with all their new additions as well anthony you'll have it for us all over on locked on lakers thanks for jumping on locked on nba with me thank you thanks for having me anytime 
And that'll do it for today's episode. Don't forget, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave that five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well so you never miss an episode because we've got great stuff coming for you in the lead-up to the season and, of course, when the NBA season tips off. Guys, thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.